morning. Good to see all of you, and especially to the parents. If you're noticing people around you this morning that are smiling like a little more than normal, it's because their kids are at camp and they are enjoying the peace and quiet at home. <laughs> Our high school and middle school uh, are at camp this week, and Barry's speaking there. And I have the privilege of speaking this morning. Barry will be back next week. We are in this series called First Opinions 316. We're looking at things in the Bible that people think are really there or really true, and turns out they're not. They're just really First Opinions uh, 316. Now, I don't know if you guys realize this or not, but we all tend to make assumptions and kind of jump to conclusions in life and kind of wonder, man, I I don't know why I do that. And we're going to look at that this morning, but to just kind of Get your thought going down this path. Uh, I want to give you a couple of examples. I want you to look at the, this, these pictures on the screen and tell me what you see in this picture. Because that is not a car next to a van. That is a picture of a car against a van. Okay, how about this one? That kid is not holding a lightsaber. Uh, that is a stream of light behind him. But it looks like he's holding a lightsaber, but not. Okay, the next one. That... <laughs> is not Fabio as a dog. That is not a dog with really long hair. Uh, That is a dog next to someone fishing. Uh, How about this one? That is not a three-headed buck. If you are wondering that, uh, that does not exist. It does not live with Bigfoot. That is not a three-headed buck. But this is probably my favorite one uh, of all. Let that sink in for a second. That woman does not have a hand growing out of her arm. Uh, It is just a really well-timed picture. Why do we jump to conclusions? Why do we do that? Why do we have a tendency to just kind of jump to conclusions about things that we see? Well, the reason is simple. Because we all have a pair of these. Judgy pants, that's right. We all got our judgy pants, right? And right now, I can feel some of you pulling your judgy pants up a little higher because of my judgy pants right now. I'm, I'm feeling a little judged by that. And if you're wondering, hey, Kevin, why are your judgy pants gold? Well, it's because I'm a pastor. And uh, that is why um, I have my judgy pants gold. But all of us have judgy pants, right? We wear these all the time. You're, you're driving around and you see someone's car. Ho, ho, ho. Wonder why they're driving that. You, you're dealing with someone, you know, a, a neighbor, and they, they're, oh, my neighbor, so, uh, and then, you know, you see things online, and you're judgy pants, and then we talk about politics, your judgy pants go way up here, right? <laughs> but we all have these things called judgy pants. In fact, uh, our unofficial central point this morning is, is, uh, is this, yes, your judgy pants make your pride look big. So if you're wondering, <laughs> that's not in your notes, that one's, uh, that one's there for free. This morning we're going to look at a passage, it's Matthew chapter 7, 7 verses 1 through 5, and this is probably, uh, this is one of those verses that gets misused and abused, and it doesn't mean what people think uh, think it means. here's Here's the main point of this one, Matthew 7, 1, you probably have heard this before, judge not that you not be judged, right? Judge not that you, in other words, you can't judge me, you can't judge me, you can't judge me. I can do whatever I want, and you can't judge me. Because the Bible says, judge not, lest you be judged. And we wield this as a cloud. Well, actually, that verse doesn't mean that at all. In fact, the, <laughs> the verse is actually saying, don't judge that you aren't judged by other people. And we're going to unpack that this morning. What does that actually mean? That, in fact, that word judge means to criticize, find fault, pass unfavorable judgment. This is how not to do it. 
It's interesting, though, how we can kind of take these phrases and just go, oh, well, well, you can't judge me. The deal is, is that even as we get into this passage, we are called to, when we have concerns with each other, to work them out because I have stuff going on in my life, you have stuff going on in your life. You, you can't avoid it. But there's a right way and most certainly a wrong way to have these conversations, to judge or share your concerns with other people. But you want to be careful in how you do this. In fact, in Matthew chapter, uh, chapter 7, further down in verse 12, Jesus says, Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and prophets. The idea here is that we shouldn't form harsh opinions, that we shouldn't, you know, attack other people when we see things differently or when we feel like they have done us wrong. We need to be really careful about how we approach this because chances are, if you haven't had something happen this week, you're going to have something next week where you're going to feel offended, someone's going to say or do something that's going to bother you, and you're going to need to work through your feelings about what is going on. What we really are looking for in this is discernment. That's the word that you really need is discernment. And here's what discernment means. It's the act or process of exhibiting keen insight and good judgment. Keen insight and good judgment. Good judgment. That brings us to our central point this morning, which is this. Seeking discernment will cause dependence on God's wisdom, not my own. Seeking discernment will cause dependence on God's wisdom, not my own. Because ultimately that's what we want, right? I mean, when, when we're going to reconcile something, when we're going to have a situation where there's conflict or, or, you know, I need to have a conversation or I need to work through some things, maybe I don't like some things that are going on, what I really want is discernment. I want good judgment so that when we have these conversations, I don't make the problem worse. I actually can, can bring it together. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. In fact, there's three questions that I think we need to ask before we pass judgment. Three questions that, I, that we need to ask before we pass judgment. Here's the first question. What is your measurement or your standard? What is your measurement? What is your measurement for having, for forming this judgment towards someone else? Uh, Matthew chapter 7, verses 2 and 3. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Here's the thing. Your lens is broken. My lens is broken. I look at the world through Kevin's glasses. I don't, that's, I didn't mean to be funny that way, but you know, like I, <laughs> I didn't realize what I just said, but I look through the world through my own set of lenses. You look through the world through your own set of lenses. Our lenses are broken because I am a sinner and you are a sinner. And when you get two sinners together who have broken lenses and see the world differently, you ultimately are going to have conflict. It's unavoidable. I have opinions about things, you have opinions about things. We have just gone through two, uh, through two years of more opinions about all kinds of things than I didn't even know was possible for a human being to have. People have shared this and that, and, you know, and I'm on this side and you're on this side. And it just seems like we, we have spent the last several years, especially, forming all kinds of opinions about all kinds of things. But we got to remember that when we have those opinions, that we start with a broken lens. So what is your measurement? 
Matthew chapter 6 says this, The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, the whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great the darkness. Romans chapter 2 verse 1 reminds us of this, Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges, for in passing judgment on another you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. In other words, I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, we are both sinners. And we got to understand that as we're forming our opinions, as we're putting our measurement together in order to have a judgment on something, that, okay, God, my lens is broken. So what do I do with that? In Romans chapter 7, Paul says this, for the things that I don't want to do, I do, and the things that I want to do, I don't do. Can anyone relate to that? You know, I, I don't want to have this conflict, or I don't, you know, I, I wish we could all get along, you know, I, 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 or we have a negative interaction with someone like, oh, why, why did I do that? It's because we, we come from a premise of a broken lens. So what is your measurement? Well, your measurement should be biblical. Your measurement should be biblical, not personal. Let me say that again. Your measurement should be biblical, not personal. Feelings lie. I don't think I need to explain that to anybody. Feelings lie, right? One day I like pizza, the next day I don't like pizza. That's crazy, everyone likes pizza. That's a bad example. But, right, I mean, our feelings, our feelings lie. If you don't know that your feelings lie, go work in middle school ministry. Go work around junior high boys and girls. I love you, I hate you, I love you, I hate you, I love you, I hate you, right? I mean, that, feelings lie. So our measurement needs to be biblical, not personal. And let me just, a little caveat there, can I just say this for everyone's edification? Social media is not the standard bearer for any kind of measurement on anything at all. <laughs> I mean, neither is Fox News. Neither is CNN. Or your group of friends. If you need to form an opinion, you better be in God's word first. I'm going to say that again. If you need to form an opinion about something, you better be in God's word first. Please don't form an opinion and then go and try and weaponize the Bible to, to go around your opinion. Go to God's word first, because that's the measurement. There is nothing that we are facing in this world that has not been faced by someone else already. That's why God gave us his word. That's why we need to be in the word. That's why we need to continue to study God's word, because as I go through my life and as I get older, I don't view the world the same way I did when I was in my 20s, thank goodness. But I also realize that now that I'm in my 50s, I still have a ways to go in how I view the world. Because here's the other side of it. As I'm getting older, I'm getting less and less tolerant. That's just me. I am. I'm just getting, I'm just getting less and less tolerant. And I have to realize that as I form, my measurement can't be through Kevin's lenses. My measurement needs to be through the Bible. Barry did this great series on, you know, having a biblical worldview. It goes along with that. That we need to, as we have conflict and as we have these things go on, our measurement needs to be in God's word. Matthew chapter uh, uh, 7 says this, So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. When I'm in conflict with someone, their spiritual condition should matter more to me than my opinion. 
When you are in conflict with someone, which you will be, some of you are still in conflict over the judgy pants. You're, you're, you're mad. You're going, <laughs> how do I get those gold pants? Become a pastor or Amazon. Either one. You can either one. But we have a... The spiritual condition of a person needs to be more than my opinion. It has to be. Whether they are a believer or not. And I'll go a step further. If they don't know the Lord, why? How can you get mad at someone that doesn't know the Lord that they don't have a biblical opinion? That they don't have a godly opinion? They don't have God. It's like getting mad at a blind man for not appreciating a sunset. What do you mean? It's a gorgeous sunset. Yeah, I can't see. It's the same, it's the same idea that if you, are, um, if you are in conflict with someone that doesn't know the Lord, understand that how you view the world, hopefully, is different than how they view the world. All the more for you to have a biblical opinion and <laughs> not weaponize the Bible, but have the love that Christ had. Look at the conflict that, that Christ had uh, with people in the New Testament. Jesus led with love. And even in the difficult conversations, he still led with love. Jesus wants everyone to have a personal relationship with him, regardless of how they view the world. If we get so focused on what, we, what others should do or shouldn't do, or how they think or how they feel, there's a very real danger, a very real danger, that we become blind to our own sin. Because now it's more about my opinion and making sure that you understand my opinion. My opinion cannot be the measurement for which I have a judgment towards someone else. It's got to be biblical. It's got to be biblical. So that's the first question. The second question is this. What is your method? Matthew chapter 7, verse 4. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? If you're looking in your Bible or your tablet, circle the word say. How you communicate that. What is your method? How will you deliver your concern? Whether it's a best friend, a coworker, a boss, a neighbor, your, your spouse, your kids, the person driving next to you down the freeway. How are you going to deliver that opinion? Because that matters. What is your method? Is it online? Boy, you sure told them. Good on you. Good job. Is that how you're going to deliver it? Is it talking to friends first? Is it gossip? Is it you're trying to garner support? Yeah, go get them. Go. Is it in person? Is it face to face? How are you going to deliver this concern that you have? See, we have a tendency, as humans, <laughs> we have a tendency, as Christians, to make these snap judgments and then try to drive the other person into the ground. I've seen it, you've seen it, we've all experienced it. And then we do it all in the name of Christian love. You know, it's like, Jesus loves you, so I don't have to, right? I mean, <laughs> that's not, don't put that in your notes, that's not true. Uh, <laughs> but but we, we, we tend to have this, like, well, someone's got to set them straight. Be careful. Be careful of your method. And if you need some references on how you're going to step into a difficult conversation, let me give you a couple. Titus 2, or excuse me, Titus 3, verse 2. Speak evil of no one. 
Avoid quarreling. Be gentle. Show perfect courtesy towards all people. All means all, and that's all all means. All people, even the jerks in your life, even the difficult people, even the people on social media that don't agree with you, even the, even the difficult circumstances that you find yourself in, you are only responsible for your behavior, not the behavior of other people. You are only responsible for you. And when the, when, so this is what I mean about having a biblical perspective on things, a biblical standard. Because I go to God's word and go, how am I supposed to do that? Oh, okay, don't speak evil. Avoid quarreling. Be gentle. Be courteous. How about this one, Ephesians 4.15? Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is ahead into Christ. That word love, if you're going, man, that, that sounds familiar. I'm glad it does. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us what love is all about. Love is patient, love is kind, doesn't envy, doesn't boast, isn't arrogant, it's not rude, doesn't insist on its own way, it's not uh, irritable or resentful, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. So what is your method for giving judgment towards someone else? Well, your method should be humility and love. That's the method. We're going to have to have difficult conversations. It's, it's unavoidable. It's unavoidable. Ask any parent. <laughs> it's unavoidable. But how you deliver that message makes all the difference in the world. And how, it's going to make a difference in how it's received from the other person too. Because if you come at them as opposed to coming alongside them, those are two very different approaches. Your method should be humility of love. It, this will solve a lot of problems for both of you. Because sometimes in my delivery, if I do it wrong, now I have to go back around and mend fences with the person. Whereas when I was coming into it, sure, the other person might have done something towards me, and if I had shown humility and love, we could have had a difficult conversation down here. But if I come in hot and realize that I've said some things that I shouldn't say, I may have to come back around, and now we're having a whole different conversation. You know, we're talking about um, passages in the Bible. I want to I refer to something, and especially for those of you that are, that are still on the journey, um, you know, meeting Jesus, uh, you, may, you may not be familiar with this, but for those of you that have grown up in the church, you probably have heard of this passage before, Matthew 18. Matthew 18, you know, oh, I need to talk to somebody. Matthew 18, I'm going to use Matthew 18. I, this is one of those passages in the Bible that really gets can easily get twisted and misused. And I've seen many Christians use this passage as a club, as a justification for spewing out what they think that they need to say. Here's, here's the verse, uh, Matthew 18, verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Warren Wearsby about, this, uh, about verse, this verse says this, Our attitude should not be that of a policeman out to arrest a criminal but rather that of a physician seeking to heal a wound in the body of Christ. Don't use that passage of, if you have a problem with your brother, go, yes, you should go and, and, and talk to him. But if you go in humility and love, you're coming more as a physician wanting to heal a relationship versus a policeman trying to, you know, sweat out a criminal. Confess! Those are two very, very different approaches. It, it, our, the method is, it is so important. And unfortunately, I have been on the receiving end 
sometimes the giving side of doing this the wrong way, of sharing my thoughts in unhealthy ways. And I have been on the receiving end where people have shared their thoughts in very unhealthy ways at all, uh, as well. We just need to be so careful in how we do this because conflict is, is unavoidable. But boy, if we do it the right way, some really wonderful things can come out of that. Here's the idea of this passage in Matthew um, 18. I go to the person, I sit down with the person, and I recognize, lead with, okay, I got sin in my own life. I got shortcomings of my own. I got things going on in, in my life. I'm most certainly not perfect. And in humility and love, I go to that person with the hope and the desire of restoration not being right. I, I want the relationship to be restored. I don't want to be right. I, I don't want to, you know, set this person straight. If I'm really care, if like, look, if, if you're living in sin and there's something that you're doing wrong and I'm really care and concerned about you, I want you to know that. And I want to come alongside you and go, look, I see this going on in your life, and I'm really concerned this could do a lot of damage in your life. And I recognize that I have sinned in my own life, and I really want to come alongside you because I care about you and I love you. I'm not coming to you as someone who's got it all figured out. I'm coming to you because I care about you. Boy, please, please turn away from this. Please consider this. Please be careful. Versus, aha, I got you! which is what we do a lot of times. Because we don't really want restoration. We want to be right. We want to unburden ourselves of our feelings so that we feel better. Not really concerned about what all that verbal vomit does to the person we just gave it to. Because I feel better. So what is your method? What is your method? Well, question number one is what is your measurement? Question number two, what is your method? The third question is this. What is your motive? Now you're probably thinking, wait, what is your motive? Kevin, shouldn't we have led with that? Yeah, probably. But if you don't have the measurement and the method down, this is going to get away from you quickly. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 and, and 5. Judge not that you be not judged. Verse 5. You, hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. And then you will see clearly. So just so you understand, when we started this whole thing about, you know, you can't judge me, I can't, you know, that's not true because even here, look, take the log out of your own eye and then you're going to have the conversation about the speck in your brother's eye, which means that, yes, we are going to have these difficult conversations, but you recognize that we all have stuff going on in our life. What is your motive? Because remember, it's not to pass judgment. You know, judge not. It's not, to, I'm not trying to come in and win. I'm not trying to come in and, and, and set you straight and put my finger in your chest and tell you what's up. That's not, the, that's not how we should be doing this. So what is your motive? Do you want to be right? Do you want to win? Do you want to set someone straight? Do you need to get something off your chest? And I, I really think, honestly, as followers of Jesus, I think if we would just, if, if we would really pencil out, what is your motive? What really is your motive? Why do you need to have this conversation? Why do you need to go on social media and put someone on blast? Why do you need to con confront this person in this manner, in this way? It doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it, but, but what's the reason behind it? What's the motive? 
Because if it's anything that makes you look or feel better, be careful. Be careful. But if you're thinking of it more as, I want to be reconciled with this person, or at least I want to clear the air. And by clearing the air, recognizing that it could be 90, you know, 90% their fault and 10% my fault. I've very ever, honestly, I've, I've been fortunate to be in ministry for a few decades. I have, I have yet to have one where someone comes in and you're, there's two people in conflict and it's 100% one person's fault and 0% the other. Because that would mean that that's Jesus and the other person, right? Because we all have sin. But to, but to come in and they look, I, 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 there's conflict and I don't want there to be conflict. How do we, how do we, how do we fix this? And for, look, for some relationships, they, they can't be fixed. I, I get that. But you can still be kind. You can still coexist and live in harmony. It doesn't mean you have to be BFS with the person. But it, we got to be careful about that. Which one is biblical? Which one shows love and humility? I love this verse, uh, Galatians 6, 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression... You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. If you have a, a Bible or tablet, circle that word restore. That word restore, it's a Greek medical word. It means to set a broken bone. It means to set a broken bone. Not break another one. <laughs> it means to set a broken bone. If anyone is caught in a transgression... You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. I care about you. This is broken. I want to help restore it. How do we do that? See, your motive should be restoration. When you have a conflict with someone, when you are um, looking in a situation and you are forming opinions and there's going to, you know, you're going to have to have these difficulties, your motive should be restoration. It should be restoration. And if it isn't, please check your motive. Until you can get to that spot where you go, I want restoration. Because if your motive is anything else, be careful because the big old log in your own eye is going to be really hard for you to help this person with the speck that's in their eye. Because if it's so much about you, and you need to come out on top, that's exactly what this passage is talking about. That is a big old tree trunk that you're just going around like this, smacking people around as you're moving your head back and forth. Yeah, but they have the, You're right. We all have sin in our life. Absolutely. No one's perfect. Romans tells us that. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us. But if I... If I come in hot because... I want to sit someone in their, in their place. Be careful. Because that is absolutely not a biblical, <laughs> that is not a biblical motive in any way, shape, or form. It just isn't. And until you can get to that spot where you realize, okay, I need to pump the brakes a little bit. I need to figure this out. Why do I really need to have this conversation with this person? Because if your motive is restoration, then your spirit moves into a place of humility versus self-righteousness. Does that make sense? 
Because if, if, if I want to be restored to you, and, and, I, and I want there to be, I want us to be, live in some kind of harmonious relationship, if I come in with self-righteousness, that's, I put myself above you. Restoration looks like this. It doesn't look like this. But if I want to be restored, what's my motive? Why am I going to have this conversation? So here's what it could look like. I have a conflict with someone. Hey, I, I need to talk to you about something. I need to talk to you about this, uh, this situation. I, I recognize that in this situation that we're talking about, I could have misunderstood you. I, I recognize that, that, that I may have got it wrong. But this is what I heard, and this is how it hit me. How can we figure it out? Did, did you mean it that way? Because I'm also recognizing that I may have, I may have not heard it the right way, but, but did you mean it that way? Because I don't want there to be any conflict with us. See, we can come in, we can come in low. We can come in in this spirit of uh, 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 reconciliation. And if you do have those conversations, this is, this, is, uh, this is in your notes, this is bonus material, okay? So if you're going to ask a question to someone, I don't know if you know this or not, but um, if you're going to ask uh, leading questions with someone, start with how, what, where, when, who. Ask, start with those, uh, uh, start the questions like that. Be careful of the word why, because as soon as you say the word why, it puts people on defense. Because if you were like, Kevin, how did you arrive at wearing this beautiful shirt this morning? Well, I would say, well, I went in my closet, and my wife isn't home right now, so I didn't have anyone to bounce it off of, and I hope I nailed it. But if you said, Kevin, I know you have shirts in your closet. Why did you pick that one? Well, now I'm going to defend my decision. You see the difference? We can have, we can have the same conversation, but you don't want to put the other person on defense. Conflict is unavoidable. We are going to find ourselves in these situations, but it really depends on how we see it and what ultimately is our motive. And when we go out in the world and we see situations or we come up on something and we may not have all the information, uh, you know, we need to be careful about how quickly we, we, we make our decisions and how we spew that stuff back out, especially, especially, especially as followers of the Lord. And I'm, I'm look, <laughs> I have not arrived at the destination. I'm still on the journey. These things come out way more than I want. <laughs> I grab these things all the time. And we need to be careful. Because our judgy pants are part of our sin nature. And it's not something that we're supposed to have. It's not something that we're supposed to walk around with. There's a story of a, um, a man who was traveling in the evening with his kids on a train. and The dad is sitting there in the train car, and, and um, he's just kind of off in outer space somewhere. He just came a little bit dazed. And his kids are just running up and down the, the aisle. They're just bouncing off the walls, right? You know, they're, they're laughing, and they're, they're standing on the, uh, you know, on the seats, and they're just, they're causing a ruckus. And every once in a while, they would look at the dad, and the dad would look back and, and, and would smile at him, and then he would just kind of go back down. And, and there's other passengers that are on the train car, and people are trying to sleep. I mean, we're, we're heading into the, the, the evening hours. It's time for everybody to wind down. We're going to be on this train all night, you know. And they're starting to look at the dad. Hey, man. <laughs> Those are your kids that are, you know, 
jumping around, acting a little crazy. No one says anything, but you know the look, right? <laughs> right? So finally, there's one passenger who comes up to the dad and he says, hey, do you think, do you think maybe you could, you know, you, you, do you notice your kids? Kind of, you know, yeah, that one right there. Do the handstand? Yeah, that, that, your kid right there. Do you, do you, do you notice that? Like, what's, what's going on? And the dad looked up and he said, yeah, I, I don't know. He said, you see, um, my wife went home a couple days ago and uh, this morning she got in a car accident and she died. And I'm taking my kids back to her home where she was visiting. And I don't know how to tell my kids that they're never going to see their mom again. And he just started looking back down. And you know when the train car, all the other passengers, when they heard that story, instantly they changed their perspective. They saw those kids very differently. They saw the situation very differently. Now, rather than casting judgment on these kids who were bouncing off the walls and the dad who wasn't in control of his kids, there was empathy. There was love towards these kids. People started pulling stuff out of their pockets and playing with the kids and helping them out. Our perspective, it changes when we have all the, all the information. And friends, as we go through this life, will there be moments where you're going to need to confront people, where you're going to need to look at certain situations? Absolutely. We live in a fallen world with fallen people who do fallen things. Absolutely. But before we go reaching for our judgy pants, remember, <laughs> what are the biblical principles that I need to address? What's the correct way to approach the situation? And what do I want to accomplish by having this conversation with the other person? Friends, if, if we can lead with that, not only will we change our own environment, we will change the environment of the people around us as we begin to view conflict differently. James chapter 5 says this, My brothers, if any among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. As followers of Jesus, my hope and my prayer is that we will, will view this stuff differently through the lens of God's word in humility with the hope of reconciliation. And I think that if we apply those things to our lives— Conflict, although unavoidable, will get easier. God, thank you for allowing us to be here today. God, thanks for your word. It's so powerful and so practical. God, thank you that um, we have a Savior who was judged often by people and handled it differently. God, may we model that in our own lives. And I pray for my friends here, uh, both in the building and online this week, as they face conflict, perhaps they're in a difficult situation right now. I, I pray, God, that they would, they would take your word. God, that they would check their motives. That God, when they do have it, the conversation with someone, that they will lead with humility and love. And God, may we view this differently with the hope of reconciliation because 
God, that's what you want with us, which is why you sent your son to come and die for our sins. May we model that in the world around us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.